Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Very good. We're good. going to Nigeria. Oh, yeah, all right. Sounds good. And clean that place up. Yeah. You know, uh, I understand there's competition in Africa. You know, China likes Africa. Yeah. And we do, too. But you know what gets me is, you know, China, I think, is beating us in the economic sphere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, send, sure. we send a lot of money and a lot of influence. We send them, uh, you, you know, uh, in, information on how to commit and, and participate in a coup. Yeah. But, you know, those Chinese, they go and make profits uh, off us, <laughs> take those profits, then they invest over there in precious metals and different things like that, rare earth disease things. That's a, that's the whole thing. But anyway, it's a mess over there, and it looks like Biden hasn't uh, waved a wand and cleaned it up. Yeah. It, it might be said that uh, since Biden's been in, uh, in the presidency, uh, Nigeria may have become a bigger mess. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's going on right now. So, and that's why, but I guess uh, there, there might be somebody out there that are very pleased that, uh, that, uh, uh, that Obama and also, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, Biden, works with Victoria, oh, Victoria yeah. Newland. Yeah, yeah. She went over there because they were worried about something, but has it really helped a lot? Sometimes they have these promises, we're gonna get the real diplomats out there and clean up this mess, but it doesn't look like that's gonna happen. Yeah, it's an interesting situation because as our viewers know, there was a coup in Niger a few days ago, and you say, well, it's a country and most people can't find it on the map. That's, that's true. They do provide an enormous amount of uranium, uh, they, I think they supply 40% of France's uranium, and France has <coughs> been a big influence in Niger. It's a Francophone country. Um, but the U.S. also has a long interest there. We have at least 1,000 troops, probably closer to 2,000 troops. We've built several major drone bases there, so we fly drones from Niger all around the region searching for terrorists. <coughs> um, they continue to operate. We don't seem to be able to eradicate the terrorists, but it's a major interest for the U.S., so... When there was a coup, and when we also trained their generals and their military officers. So when a coup came, and it was instigated by a group that included the leader uh, who had been trained in the U.S. in special operations, well, the U.S. is starting <coughs> to get concerned and starting to throw its weight around, literally and figuratively. And so what did they do? They sent in Victoria, blank to EU, Newland. She's going to go down there and calm things. Let's put this up again. So they... Um, this first article, I think this is from The Guardian. So they send Victoria Newland down there, and the irony, Dr. Paul, is beyond <laughs> even commenting on, because as our viewers very well know, she is the person most responsible for the coup in Ukraine in, 24, in 2014. So now they send her down to Niger to be anti-coup. Listen, <laughs> she said, you guys, you can't have a coup. You've got to go back to constitutional order. <laughs> and they said, Nope, sorry, no yeah. thanks. Yeah, you know, there was a time in the campaign, uh, this subject came up about diplomats. And I said, we have hundreds of thousands of diplomats and they're supposed to, you know, work these things out so we don't have to send troops and war and bombs and, you know, start another war. And, uh, and it, you know, I, I, I was serious that, you know, they were misusing diplomats. But now that I think of it, 
She's a diplomat, yeah. but I don't, she, she wasn't what I was, I wanted to clear the air. <laughs> she is not one of the diplomats that I said, oh, we need a good diplomat to go. There have been some good diplomats over the years that uh, were working for peace and, and real, uh, so, you know, uh, getting along with other people. But uh, I, I don't think she's the one that's gonna bring people together. And, and there gets to be a point where, I mean, Victoria Newland is everywhere that there is a coup. And there gets to be a point where the rest of the world knows this. Other people, even in Africa, have the internet, right? <laughs> so they know that Victoria Newland is the regime change person. Now, she's the active, uh, acting deputy secretary of state. So she is the number two person at the State Department. So when she goes there, two things. First of all, let's, let's put that one back up uh, if we can. So she's sent down there to make them change their mind and reverse the coup. So, junta leaders in Niger refuse to let top U.S. official meet the ousted president. She goes down there and says, hey, I want to meet with the guy you kicked out of office. They say no. And she said, okay, I want to meet with the guy who now claims to be in power. They say no. <laughs> they hand her a telephone. You can talk to him on the telephone. I'll go to the next <coughs> one, and here's what happens. Um, junta leaders in Niger refuse to let a senior U.S. official, and, and really it is senior, senior official meet the west african country's house the president they rejected her calls to restore democracy the person who undermined democracy in ukraine is now calling for a restoration of democracy she herself described the conversations there as frank and difficult which is diplomatic language for a lot of curse words probably being thrown around she spent a two hour meeting there talking to people trying to get through to anybody but they refused to give in to her demands. If you go to the next one, uh, so then what did she do, Dr. Paul? She said, listen up, if you don't do what we say, we're not gonna give you any money. <laughs> and they said, that's okay, we don't want your money. So it's just, it's amazing <laughs> we, when you send someone so senior and she's completely rebuffed. She could follow up and say, Convert it to the wand. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> or gold. <laughs> yeah, gold. Maybe they'll pay attention. You know, Ted Carpenter is a great writer on foreign policy, and he touches on this in a recent article. But he was talking in generalities about foreign policy. And I thought he had a couple good statements here because he said that the Pentagon's objective always has been when we're over in these countries, like we have in so many places, has always been to, quote, showcase a way, the American way, and you mentioned this and that we train and build leaders not only in their tactical task but in the ethos of the United States <laughs> Army and then later on he says the record indicates that the effort has failed yeah 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 <laughs> so simplify the the whole process yeah it was an important article because he, he's talking about and you did this so much this is one of the biggest bipartisan things you did when you're on the hill is to close down the School of the Americas close down this training because oftentimes these people would go home and they would be very repressive and they would, they would uh, you know, start coups. And Ted makes a good point that out of, the tr out of the people that we trained in Africa, in those countries, I think it was 11 or 13 coups <laughs> as a result of our training their military. So uh, you know, he's making a point, I think, that a lot of this is part and parcel of our intervention in the first place. Hey, send your leaders, wink, wink, we're gonna train them in democracy. Then they go home and overthrow the governments. I guess they can't defend the uh, the saying, practice makes perfect. Yeah. She, she does a lot of practicing on this. And I wonder if, uh, 
I doubt if we could even find a good example. Well, you know, there's always an exception. She went over there and uh, she stopped the war from breaking out. My guess is that it was always a negative cost yeah. to, to, our, to not only dollars, but to our national security. Well, the other thing that, that Doolin was dealing with is the, the question of whether the Wagner Group, uh, this is the Russian paramilitary group, or the PMC private military group, um, the equivalent of our BlackRock, I guess, uh, <laughs> it used yeah. to be called. But the question of whether they will be called in by the coup leaders to help, to help stabilize things. Although there was a huge rally in the capital yesterday that had thousands of people supporting the coup. So it doesn't look like a, a, a civil war is in the offing. However, you do have this unusual, unusual situation where you've got a thousand U.S. troops, you've got drone bases, and you could have Wagner coming in uh, at the same time in this relatively small country, plus the ECOWAS, which is an organization of West African uh, economic trading uh, countries, they're threatening to intervene and to invade as well. So you have Newland, who's supposed to go in and kind of smooth all this stuff over, when in reality, she's complaining about Wagner, she's complaining about the coup, she's doing this and that, and they basically just say, we don't want to deal with you. We don't want to talk to you. Get on a plane and get out of here. And, you know, we, we've often said or hinted to the fact that we think that uh, Trump has trouble picking yeah. employees. Well, we'd have to say that, uh, you know, Biden doesn't have much better choice on. Yeah. But the Republicans liked her, too. Yeah, know? they did. She, well, she started, she cut her teeth on uh, Dick Cheney. She worked for Dick Cheney. Yeah. So, yeah, she'll work for anyone as long as you're a warmongering lunatic. It's just a, just, yeah. Just so bewildering. How do people like that get such high positions? Yeah, they fail upwards. Every time they fail, they get a promotion. Oh, oh, I don't <laughs> no know. other profession could, but foreign but policy. But the deep state, where's the deep state when we need them? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they sending Well, there might be an ulterior motive in all yeah. this for the deep state. <laughs> and you do have to wonder what else she might have been doing in Niger. Obviously, this, this junta government is not going to do what she says. Maybe she's meeting with some NGOs trying to foment a little color revolution. Who knows? But I do have a little funny thing before we um, go on to the next topic, which is you remember, Dr. Paul, those iconic photos of Victoria Nuland in the Maidan in Kiev, handing out cookies to the protesters, <laughs> encouraging them to overthrow the government. And that was a key thing because that it was funny, but it also signaled the U.S. is with you. You guys <coughs> keep doing what you're doing. So here is the spokesman of the foreign ministry of Russia, Maria Zakharova, and she has a comment on... <laughs> Victoria Newland. Here's what she says. Victoria Newland thought with Niger you could do the same as in Ukraine. Put a couple of buns in a plastic bag and fool them. Such banana republics as in Kiev are no longer to be found. So it's very funny. She did leave empty-handed. Maybe she should have been passing out bananas. Yeah, <laughs> banana republic. Yeah. Well, that's a reminder. <laughs> so. so the next one I guess we want to talk about, it's been a lot of money made. We didn't make it. We didn't invest right, Dr. Paul. If you put on that next one, America's top five weapons contractors. I think we got to skip one and move ahead. Uh, one more if we can. Uh, here we go. This is from a responsible statecraft. Connor Eccles does good work over there. America's top five weapons contractors, Dr. Paul, made $196 billion last year. Not too bad. No. And, you know, um, I was thinking as I was reading this that maybe this was going to be over a period of time or something. <laughs> but it turns out just in one year. <laughs> Wait till they get it this year. 
but uh, Rand will take care of that. He has an idea that he'll monitor this. Isn't that sad? Yeah. He, he has a way of, of preempting these people yeah. on spending, but they cannot stand, you know, the a, a whiff of truth. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so they just sort it out, and that's why this is important that eventually, uh, and, and the people really, you know, like you said at the beginning, they don't even know where the country is. And right now, the most important thing is that they hear their checks are going to go up in amount. Uh, well, if you're on government welfare, uh, there's no sweat. Yeah. It's just amazing. The dollar holds up to a degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to a degree. Well, it's such a windfall, you know, and all of it is related certainly to the uh, Ukraine war because we sent all the old weapons in there to get blown up. And so now they got to get all a bunch of new weapons. So it's a windfall for them. You know, it might be interesting. Evidently, they didn't get a big number, or they probably reported it. But they say top the top five, and they are big. Yeah. But th there has to be hundreds of other little companies oh, that yeah. make money off it, and universities, and you know all their propaganda machines. So that's it's all involved. So my my guess is that this is a conservative number for the money that is wasted because this is it'd be hard to come up and have good justification, you know, that is good for our policy and we help some people who were destitute and we promoted liberty around the world. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, overall I would call it all a negative even if you had an accident with one country, you know, maybe gaining an edge over another. So, well, it helped that country, but it, yeah. we took, took, it helped uh, by taking, it went from their neighbor. So it's... Uh, it's, it's worse than the, the statistics show, but this can catch your attention. And hopefully people will say, yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me, but uh, when is this going to end? And uh, we, we, we have to continue to deal in the political system, hoping to get more people. And there is a better group right now than there was a year ago. But overall, it's going to have to have a whole changed attitude because the majority, how many college graduates come out uh, as non-interventionists on foreign policy yeah. out of our university? That's where they've really captured the young people, especially if you take, well, I want to be a foreign service person. I'm going to learn this. Uh, that's, that's, that's where the tragedy is. Yeah. Well, the other thing about this massive windfall I think it underscores how corrupt the system is because you know very well they're plowing these profits. Yeah, they're plowing them into some homes in, uh, uh, in Great Falls and places like that, but they're also financing all the think tanks. And we've talked ourselves blue in the face about this. They're financing the Beltway think tanks that endlessly come out with policy papers. Taiwan needs to be defended. China is a threat. Russia is a threat. We need more spending, more military spending. But not only that, but they fund the media. You know, the media, the parent companies of the media are tied in with the military, you know, industrial complex. But, but you know, th this is exactly what they do at the Fed. You yeah. know, they hire hundreds, like three or four hundred the economists, and it's good to be on their list because they churn out these papers uh, as, and they, they get their marching orders from the Fed. Yep. What, what do you want us to uh, talk about this year? Uh, and, and they put out the papers like that. So it is, it's, it's not like, uh, uh, you know, they read the Constitution and we're going to follow it and come up with it. That's, that's so old-fashioned. They're not going to mess with that. Yeah. We're, we're, we're building uh, an empire, but don't tell anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it's a, just a deep, deep corruption. Well, when I guess next we want to talk about your favorite person uh, in the House. Uh, I think uh, you served with her for a number of years. Uh, and she's got an interesting idea about elections in the U.S. She's not in favor of them. If we can put the next one on. Nancy Pelosi has a, she flips out today. 
and this is from Steve Watson, Nancy Pelosi declares that America will cease to exist if Trump becomes president again. She is having a panic attack over the numbers, I guess. But it's an odd thing to say, isn't it? If you Americans vote the wrong way, America will cease to exist. That almost seems like what Trump has been indicted for, denying elections. Yeah, and you know, we, we talk about, we, we hope we come across as being as fair as we can, as uh, truthful about what's going on with Trump, because he's, he's not a libertarian, he's, no, and he's not an angel, yeah. but compared to what? Yeah. You know? But here, when, when you see this, and I mentioned before you, I said, what would it be like if you compared, if somebody, all of a sudden, there was a magic wand and we could get absolute truth here, absolute truth here, which is just a daydream, of course, and find out and put together what Trump has done and said versus what she has done. She's had so much more time yeah. to undermine the Constitution and the, and the process that uh, she has contributed a lot to, to a big mess. I remember first, early on, probably the first time I was in Congress in the 70s, uh, back when they had debates about the military bill, I had a debate with her on whether or not we should have a United Nations. And it was one of those times before they cracked down on anybody wanting debates. We, we were allowed to have debates. And, uh, and she was she was not in the leadership or anything like that, and I certainly wasn't. But I remember it, it went a long, a long time. And uh, of course, uh, I guess you know what position she would have taken. Yeah, oh yeah. United <laughs> Nations will save us all. Yeah. And then that back then the conservatives were on your side. Then they realized, hey, we can own the United Nations if we give them enough money. Yeah. And that's when they started saying, Ron, you got to be realistic about this. We it. could have a military force called NATO. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what Pelosi said. And it's I mean, I do find this weird and disgusting. If you can put that second one on. I mean, really, come on, lady. In the comments to New York Magazine, Pelosi stated, this is about the indictments against Trump. Listen, the indictments against the president are exquisite. They're beautiful and intricate, and they probably have a better chance of conviction than anything I would come up with. And it just makes me wonder, there are some rumors about some bad habits she might have. It almost sounds like she's maybe hitting the sauce when she says that, Dr. Paul. They're beautiful. They're intricate. <laughs> yeah. That's but then it. she's asked, well, what happens? What about if Trump gets elected? She says, don't even think of that. Don't think... Don't think of the world being on fire. It cannot happen, or we will not be the United States of America. Now, if she's saying that out in public, it, there's only a small step, in my view, between it cannot happen because it's the end of America, and we're going to do something to not let that happen because we don't want the end of America. And she said... I'm not telling the truth here. I'm embellishing a little bit. And she said, as I'm retiring, I want to dedicate my life to making America more like San Francisco. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> but you know what? What they're doing, that's the road they're on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're so, going down that path. Just don't come to Texas. Yeah. But here's the other funny thing. Now, if Trump were to be president, she said, it would be a criminal enterprise in the White House. Hmm. He added without a hint of irony. <laughs> yeah. So Hunter and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> and the first thing you do to protect your interests is get control of the Department of Justice. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, exactly. and we can impose all the injustices we want. <laughs> exactly. Well, that seems to happen. Yeah. I was going to say, well, speaking of that, our last little comment today is about something we saw in Zero Hedge. Uh, and that is the judge down in Florida 
is not too happy with what Jack Smith is doing up there in DC. You can put that last one on. This is the article. And now this is not a major slam dunk of victory, but it's a slight, uh, at least raising of the issue. DOJ slapped by judge in Trump documents case. The judge overseeing former President Trump's classified documents case, Florida District Judge Eileen Cannon, rebuked federal prosecutors on Monday while striking down two of their filings. Um, and as I understand it, she directed them to unseal two secret filings and to provide a rationale for why is the Washington, D.C. grand jury involved in a Florida investigation. Yeah, this, this, the, the principle of this is very important. The practicality of all of a sudden things are going to shift. Uh, I think it's beneficial, but I think, I think the Republicans should be talking about that. She asked a question. She, she is a Republican, and she was appointed by Trump, so they'll dismiss her. Yeah, but she yeah. asked the right question. Where do you get this authority yeah. that somebody is charged in the D.C. and they're indicted that you can go to, go to Florida yeah. and prosecute yeah. them? You know, the, the, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, and I don't yeah, think they have it. examples of it or not. But the examples are uh, that uh, I think it was Dershowitz said to reverse these judge rulings on venue. It was very, very difficult. Yeah. But, but I think he also suggested that this one is so bad, it might be one that they could, could reverse and, uh, and change the venue. But that, that's all the, thing, all the difference in the world about it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they should just ban trials in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Ban Washington, D.C. <laughs> or or if, if we're going to designate where you can go and what you can do, I would say that uh, if, if we have control, those, some of those uh, people maybe should go to the to the uh, uh, judicial system in, in, in San Francisco, yeah, you know, and see if they get justice there. Yeah. Of course, the people who uh, are tearing up San Francisco, there's <laughs> no justice there. No, no. Well, I think it was Dershowitz's, the, I think I read what you read, we haven't <laughs> talked about it, but something like 96% of the people in D.C. vote Democrat, i.e. they voted against Trump. So yeah. even finding like this idea of a jury of your peers in D.C., Seems like it would be impossible. They seem rabidly opposed to Trump. So the whole thing seems pretty much like the fix is in. Like, like Pelosi said, we can't let this guy win again. We can't <laughs> let it happen. So. Yeah, my little note to myself when I was reading this, if the Republicans can't make a little hay out of this, uh, we're, we're in trouble because it's so bad. Yeah. But then when... Uh, uh, when Dershowitz wrote about it, he, he woke me up a little bit that, y you know, yes, common sense, y you know, in the law is uh, secondary to how powerful the politicians are. And you pointed out 98 percent of people yeah. are, are uh, uh, you know, de Democrats. And, but, but that shouldn't uh, stop this venue. Yes, we could understand that if, if there was a crime and a conviction and a trial was in D.C., we know about it. But to purposely, you know, pick stuff up that was done in Florida and then try them in Washington, D.C., yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's way too much. Yeah. And that should be, a, I, th I think it should be a big deal, at least, you know, in a political sense. What are they doing? Is there anything fair about this? Yeah. <laughs> and even Republicans who don't like Trump and stand up for the principle because they could be next. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. That's what they don't realize. Well, I'm going to close out if you think we're, we've about okay. handled this issue, and I'm going to just ask you to put on that last clip and remind our viewers of our conference on September 2nd. Really, I mean, it's a cliche, but we're at a crossroads. Which way, America? We've seen the Twitter files. We've seen the Facebook files. Now, we've seen how the federal government 
intervenes in private business to try to uh, countermand the First Amendment. Uh, we've seen a, an administration that's hell-bent on war with Russia and China. Why not? Let's do them both together. We're seeing what feels like the end of the republic, the end of what we have. And we're not going to sit still and watch it happen. That's why we're bringing together some great thinkers of our time from across the political spectrum. Colonel Doug McGregor, uh, Michael Vlahos, Max Blumenthal, uh, Jeff Dice. We've got people from across the spectrum, and we're all looking at the same thing. How can we move ahead? Rather than sitting and complaining, how can we move ahead? What's happening? How can we recover our republic? And that's the purpose of our meeting. I'll include a link here, but you really do need to join us at this event. Meet like-minded people, make connections. Let's make plans to try to save what we have here in the U.S. Back to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. You know, we complain a lot about the restrictions on expressing ourselves and the people, especially with uh, social media, the restrictions on First Amendment, and deliberately seeing corporations working with big government. Uh, and th this, to me, is scary. But, you know, on the positive side, on economic, the one thing that, uh, you know, has been devastating to our monetary system is they made gold illegal, but they made it legal again in 1975. And uh, it's after having been illegal for 42 years. So the attitudes can change and some freedoms can uh, be preserved. And right now, I think uh, uh, there, at least this is out on the table. At least we still have our program, like Daniel reminds us, so you know, we haven't been exempt from being canceled for, an, uh, for a while. So, uh, but we have this program and we have this conference. I mean, th this is, to me, a wonderful opportunity, and it's an opportunity for us, too, because we're going to meet a lot of people who have a lot of experiences, and they're going to be sharing them among others, but also with us, too. So I think it's, uh, it, it still exists. We can do this if we were absolutely locked down like we were on COVID. You know, we couldn't, well, I, I can't remember exactly what we did, but we, we didn't hover in a nest. And a lot of people did have to take chances and get punished for it and lose their jobs. So we're on the edge. It can go either way. But I think right now we want to see an expression with our conference that we have a lot of people there and a lot of discussion and a lot of people going away excited about how they can participate in this very important goal of preserving peace and prosperity. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Please return to the Liberty Report soon.